Buster Bartlett is one of the, a rare breed of man who took a gold star at Brooklyn's. There can't be many of them left now. So, to, so please show you. <laughs> <laughs> so please show your appreciation. Give Buster a good round, uh, good round of applause. Martin and uh, what an evening I think it's going to be with Buster Barton. So because yeah, but you've got notes, I have no, 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 script here. You must imagine me as Parkinson. You all are just the subject matter. But, uh, at least you did things that uh, many of us could only dream about. And Brooklyn's to us, most of us, is just a realm of statistics. It's a realm of who did what, who did which, on what days and when, and how they gathered the speeds, the times, the races. But tonight we've got, in Buster, we've got flesh and blood, someone who hung onto a pair of handlebars for a great long time, raced cars, and really built up a marvellous career. Um, to get him out of retirement, and he's done lots of marvellous things since, and to come all the way from the Isle of Wight, and we will be letting him go at a reasonable time so he can catch the <coughs> 7 o'clock ferry back, otherwise it's the half past 12 ferry, and he does like his bed these days. But, uh, when I get there. When he gets there. <laughs> but uh, the British Motorcycle Racing Club Gold Star was something quite different. And in Charles Mortimer's book, he says it is often called the Gold Star, which is incorrect because the Gold Star was awarded for a certain car race. But a Gold Star was awarded to people who actually achieved a 100 mile an hour lap in a British Motorcycle Racing Club race um, between the start of the track between 1922, the first start, and 1939 to the last. 1,000cc, there were 25 who won it. 750, 21, 500cc, exactly 100. And Buster comes in that category. 350cc, 29, 251, and sidecar, 3. 3-wheel cycle cars, 4. And in addition, two double awards were made for lap averages over 120 mile an hour to Eric Fernihau and Noel Poth, both on Brough Superiors. And of course we had a bit on engines on and, and power on television this week. They're all listed in the back of Charles Mortimer's estimable book, and I can ask Buster if he was signed next to his name, so I've got that there. Um, but there were characters all, and Buster comes to us as a great character. And some of the notes about him is that uh, he began life in the meat trade. <laughs> um, and he tells a story about sausages that were um, stuffed with uh, stale bread, scrounged off bakers in the area, coupled with all the bits of meat they cut off from the meat that was discoloring and going wrong. Right. All of which went into the mincing machine with added salt and water with a colouring agent to give the appearance of improving sausages to attack customers to purchase. He says he doesn't recall anyone having any complaints to leave it against us. Perhaps they didn't live that long. <laughs> <laughs> but if it was today, course, any complaints either. he wouldn't have got started. The business was known as Bartlett and Jenkins, purveyors of quality meat. And it was wound up due to the Jenkins part of it, fiddling the takings. The cash shortage eventually proved quite considerable. So much so, he's told us in his notes, that Weddell's, the meat carrier, took them to court for debt, and that finishes the butcher's business. Weddell's, of course, um, became um, Dewhurst the Butchers in due course, and they too have eventually gone down the tubes. 
and uh, I was still, in fact, a lot of problems going on. But Buster had gone there as his first job, so, and his father worked at a company called Jack Motors and uh, John Arthur Presswich. And his father, like all good fathers said, he said, they've got some extra work coming in there. And he had a word with Mr. Dolby, the manager, and he said, it's if you can find you in the job and I'll speak to you in the morning. And Buster, what happened then? You know, you, 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 you suddenly had nothing to do with engines or motorbikes, making sausages and delivering the, the things. And well, now suddenly you were into somewhere that Jack Motors. Well, Charlie Ramsey was the uh, chief tester for the Jack Motor Company. And as you said, John Arthur Presswich. When I talk about uh, Jack Motors, people seem to assume the new generation, that it's a Japanese company, but you're so right, it was John Arthur Press with J.A.P. Now that old Tarsa, he was a right old Tarsa too, was Presswich. He used to walk the factory every morning with his two sons, and he'd come in with a frock coat on, old type frock coat, top hat, silk top hat, squared one, and walk around, and he was a right military man. He ran the Jack Motor Company to perfection. And it was so good that when he brought out the 500cc over in Tanshaw job, it killed off the duckages that were doing all the dirt truck trucking at that time because of the two barrels either side of the frame, balancing up quite well. But the jack took them out of the business. And jacks were fitted in nearly every uh, dirt truck uh, company in the Isle of Wight and everywhere else. Um, from then, Charlie Ramsey was doing too much testing on his own, down at Six Mile Bottom at Cambridge, where all the testing was done because it was so isolated. And uh, he came to the time when he wanted a new, another tester, so they put a word in for me, and my dad was a foreman down at the Jack Motor Company. So I did get the job of the second test rider for the Jack Motor Company, which I did for, I think, seven years. And from then on, they transformed me into doing the racing for them, with Charlie Ramsey again. And we raced all over the place, always with a Jap engine. I never rode anything else but a Jap engine. And I must say that Jap uh, engines were absolutely superb. Well, as a tester, you've gone in there to do other jobs. You had to work on the line, and he was an assembler. Yeah, yeah. And then Charlie Ramsey's job was to see that he could take out a new engine and break it, wasn't That's it? That's right. And if it didn't break, you, you knew it was a good one. But if it broke, new parts had to be made, and you probably had to install them. Yeah. And then, And then get the bike out to the customer, because Jack Motors were what was called a proprietary engine, wasn't it? Yeah. It was sold out to other people to put in their chassis oh, yes. and frames. And, 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 and did you then test other people's chassis and frames and brakes? I rode any I rode any bike if it got a Jack engine in. That was my sole aim. I had to push the Jack engine. But you, and, but you owned a Panther of your own. Yes, oh yes. That's right. Just take the birds around and sidecar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> no, uh, so funny things did happen in those early racing days. Uh, we used to ride all different frames, etc. So called Rex Acme's, Bella Seats, and all those companies. Providing they put a Jap engine in, I would race it, no matter what they were. But we, we did get on the line in Brooklyn's one day on a 25 lap mountain championship. And uh, I, I was down there, when I got in here, I see I was down to ride the Cottonwood Jack. But when I, I look at the program, it was Zenith. 
So we had to nip out quick and get some emulsion uh, paint, the, the colour of the zenith, and paint the tanks, etc., in their colours so I could get past the scrutineers. <laughs> and we did. All those fiddles did go on. No doubt about well, it changes again, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but your first involvement with sport really was with Haringey, wasn't it? Yes. You know, it was a speedway ride. Yes. I yes. Have to say, and that was foot trail, trail, wasn't it? Foot trail. Or was it foot forward? Can you remember? Did you uh, tra trail, trail your leg or walk? Oh, backward. Yeah, backward, yes. Like the old Douglas, the north and south, like you said. And, uh, yeah. The jet engine fighting with the. With, with the, the jet engines brought the roots, there's no doubt about it. Aaron Marvel's engine. What else you got for me? Well, I've got a bit of work. No, you've got to talk. Because, uh, <laughs> and, and you describe a time when you had a match with Wembley, and you had Spike Rando, Billy Lamont, Gus Coon, Gus Coon, and the Frogley Brothers. Yeah. All characters we've only heard about. What were they like as men? You know, what were they like? Were they characters? Did they drink? Chase birds? What were they because you must have been all fairly young at the time. Well, that would have been about, that's it. What, about what year would it that have been? Early 20s? 30, 35. I was a first reserve, and uh, my name originated from them, insofar as that you, some may recall, there used to be in the Harringay team two brothers, the Frogley brothers, uh, Busser and Roger Frogley. Does anyone remember the name? Yeah. My God, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> I read about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> all too young, hasn't it? Uh, anyway, what did happen was Jack Blunt was the um, uh, manager of the Harringay team at that time, and I was first reserve, and old man probably owned an airfield down at Uxbridge in Essex, and he was doing very well, training pilots, etc. And uh, he said to the boys, you know, the business has grown so much, I can't control the aviation side and the farms. You'll have to back up your, your dirt tracking. So on the Saturday night program, there was always a busser and a Roger Frogley in there. But as the old man had said, come on boys, you've got to come out and do my business for me, uh, they announced their retirement on a Saturday night and Jack Blunt said, well, we can't have a program at a busser. Your first reserve, your busser. That's how my name got there. <laughs> Simple as that. And ever since then, apart from my mother, everybody called me Buster. In county, they say, Buster, Councillor Buster Martin, where is he? It doesn't sound good, I know, because I'm not a bruiser. It's just a nickname that was given to me. And what were, you, what were your Christian names? My Christian name, Albert. Don't tell anyone, Albert Claude, of all names. There you are. We have some fun over AC, DC, couldn't we? So it's AC, Buster but this bloke Frogley ran a, a flying school, didn't he, in an, an aerodrome? Oh, yes, yes. Which I think today is called Northolt. It's the same aerodrome. Yes. I checked it. And, and, and when you think that he ran, and aviation was enormously popular, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. People bought, people, rich people bought aeroplanes, as today we all buy cars. That's right. And the sky was fairly full of, you know, all sorts of aircraft. And, and did, did you fly yourself at those times? No, I never flew myself. No. They put the pair of Christ up me and then he's got dead go up here and I can assure you. <laughs> All right, so Harringay and Frogley and the initiation into being Buster, um, 
to Rye House, yes. the home of Bolton Speedway. Yeah. <laughs> what are your memories of Rye House? It was only a small track, but they did try to start up, but that didn't last very long, unfortunately. Yeah. Didn't get the financial backing, like all things done, and that wound up. <clears throat> but you were in the league in those days, weren't you? That's right. And so you were really riding, what, twice a week and practice on one day as well? Uh, Wages and Saturdays are all. That's right. And what sort of money could you could you earn? Oh, peanuts. Yes, but what? Quid? Two quid? Sometimes, if we run into the crash barriers on a bend, we usually get five shillings. <laughs> if we made it spectacular. We're going to make it look really bad. And if two of you could crash into the barriers, we used to share the spoils between us. And that was our main source of income. It was actually putting on a crash spectacle. Put on a crash job for a few months. So the crowd pays a piece of Yes, yes. The more you crash it, the more you've got. Very Because I suppose you've learned how to fall off. And do things. And working on your bikes, did you do the work on knowing so much about engines having being in part of a factory. Did you work on the bikes yourself or did you? No, no. no. I was very fortunate. Uh, Vic Felgit was the chief tester at the Jet Note Company. And because I was always pushing the jet engines, they nominated uh, Vic Felgit to be my manager. And he was my manager, but paid for by the Jet Motor Company. So, so you were. You, and you I had a good team around me. It's a good team. So you could always get a fresh engine in and go quickly. Oh, God, yeah, they did. They, like ten a penny. They, yeah. The more I race them, the more I bash them out, the more I got paid. Oh, what sort of crowds were they getting in those days at Speedway? And were you travelling all around the London area? Or? Fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Now's the day. Twenty-five, thirty thousand. <laughs> Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Well, you have to work at it, I think, to get that many. But uh, but but in but so Speedway Wednesday and Saturday. The rest of the time testing. Yeah. And, and, and some famous marks. Did you ever meet Bruff himself? Did he ever come to the factory and do his engine? Because he was, he was, did he get special engines for the Bruff? No. No, there was just there was stock proprietary engine. And you, you, you've listed cotton yes. in the triangular frame, like Colin Seeley later would use to the ceiling. Uh, Zenith, you mentioned about changing the colour on the tank. Rough superiors and the Morgan car. Yeah, the yeah. Special engine for the front. Yeah, twin engine car. Twin engine car. Air cord. Twin engine, yeah. 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 Land, or land on the Morgan. Yes. <coughs> and did you drive Morgans as well, test them? Only, yeah, only on the track. Test them, yeah. And, uh, and a whole lot, a whole load of sidecar outfits as well. Yes. With, with jack engines. Yes, yes. yes. So, so really, when they went out on the street, you or Charles Ramsey had tested them. That's right. And you were the only two testers. Only Charlie and I yeah. tested. And was every engine tested? Yes. Yes, that was Vic Pelgit's job. Yeah. It was my manager while I was racing, but it was his job in the factory to test it all and be cheap tested. <coughs> and then you say you were encouraged to join the British Motorcycle Racing Club. Yeah. And with what? How were you encouraged? Did someone say there's some more money, or, or or did you fancy road racing or track racing? No, I didn't fancy anything at all. It was. I suppose I was a bit of a scatterbrain driving around the the block, as we used to call it. And someone said, you ought to go down to Bradley Richards, you know, you do well down there. And that's how it started. And I went to Jack's and I said, you know, 
what <coughs> should I do something for you? Charlie said, he's, you know, he knows what he's doing. And I did get taken on by him. So you got to start at Brooklyn. There's a lab, we called them amateurs in those days, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The amateurs in the... Oh, the yes, yes. I came you know, in. So you started as a novice uh, amateur, did you? And I must say, the first time I rode around the track in front of bloody life. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you, what can you remember about the, the nature of the track? And that? How, how were you sort of marshaled and shoved out and that sort of thing? And scrutineer. Can you remember anything about that at all? Scrutineers? Yeah. Uh, scrutineers were very important. They, they did do a proper thorough job too. And uh, they marshaled your machine before you got near the line. <clears throat> I can only recall that uh, Ever White was the old star. Ever White. He was the timekeeper as well. He was standing there and he was very meticulous for a second. You bump off, you go. Uh, so that's how we carried on. So did you fall out with the scrutineers at all? Because you were having to fit. Well, I hasten to add it's here. That is a Brooklyn's can. That's it. It looks a bit like... <laughs> I brought it tonight because that is an original Brooklyn Science. It was put into all my jack engines. And that's the very science that uh, Noel Pope come up the back of me in one race and uh, tipped me arse over red. <laughs> and that's the side there. And that's where he caught me. Fortunately, he caught me on the near side, so he tipped me down, going with the contours of the rat trap. So all I went to recall is, I went flying down the side of the track, and there was the old Yusef Stewards, I think they called them in those days, all the way around. And they used to have uh, chauffeur-type caps on, and with a yellow band around here, and a white jacket. And I can only remember, as I was catapulting down to him with the machine coming behind me, I went to right near one of these blokes. But, as you know, in the early days of problems, we used to have, when the bell started, for the race was going to start, the old amateurs would start going around the perimeter, in the perimeter all the time. So I was picked up pretty quickly. And you were well battered, weren't you? Yeah. Well battered. <laughs> well, talking to Gordon Hatfield, who many of us know he's patched a lot of us up as a, as a post-war motorcycle surgeon, and he named the doctor who probably operated on you at Weybridge Hospital. Possibly. Possibly. Because you were well, you were well minced, weren't you, in that one? Yeah, yeah. Broke your leg. Ribs, ankle, teeth. I got four bloody teeth out of it, look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it all, all happened in those days, yeah. Yes. They were happy days. Uh, but but <laughs> your treatment and getting in the ambulance and getting to Weybridge oh, was done very speedily, The only thing I remember is that a nurse, the nurse of the Jack Motor Company, when I was ready to be released, kind of picked me up as a bat while I remember. <laughs> the rest of it, oh, yes. forget it. And any compensation, as they call it, at the stand no, 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 I didn't think so. Did you get a Thank you. <laughs> no apology from anybody. It's a, it's a different one. And, uh, so so when, you came, when you came back after it, you had almost a year off, didn't you? Yeah. And then you came back and started to do it all over again. Started to nudge your way up to yeah. fourth, third, second. Yeah. And uh, I finished up as, as the war started. Uh, all the foreign competitors went home, the Germans and the Italians, and uh, we were left uh, naked for opposition. So you were able to wipe things out. Mm. Right and and did you, did, could you earn money here? Could you earn a few bucks? Well, they, they didn't pay me too bad. I used to get a bonus. The biggest bonus I got out of it, really, was my father being a foreman down the general. <coughs> When I had the accident, my dad was the most popular man in the factory because he was an actual boy getting on, you know. My dad was quite proud of what I'd done, even though I bashed myself in the beach. <laughs> <laughs>
So that was my bonus. Yeah. Dad. So proud. And could you get money out of the oil companies or the tyre companies? Yes. A little or, or a lot? In those days, where I, the representative would come round and say, uh, if they thought you were doing going to do well that day, they know by your handicap whether you're going to do all that or not. And they'd say, you're going to run on our trains, we used to have tire, chains, tyres, all the bits and pieces that go with things. And I used to say, tell them, oh, yes, I'm using your stuff. Like, yes, I'm using your stuff. And I'd put it all in the back of our van. I'm going to take it home. I had that garage in Northumberland Grove, Tottenham. And uh, on Sunday mornings, my team and myself, we'd open the garage up and flog all this stuff. <laughs> 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 that, that, that was that one. And I can tell you, it was a very nice and learned. Can you agree? I've got a note here that on, on Saturday, June the 3rd, 1937, you were entered in a race of 100 laps, which was called the Hutchinson 100 after yes. the fire company. And, and you found that your manager and tuning engineer had made undisclosed alterations to your machine. Now, what was all that about? Uh, it was Eric Pernihau. Yeah. He, there were many of us in this room have actually met before he, he, he was a, He was a marvellous tuner. Yes. Uh, what the hell he did with them, I don't know, but he was really marvellous. That man. Anyway, he said to me on this particular day, uh, he looked at the programme, he said, well, on your handicap bus, he said, you've got a good chance here. He said, if I get you to what I want you to do, if you open up and keep the bloody thing open, we've got a chance of winning. <laughs> so, at that time, by the way, we used to bookmakers. Yes, a long time. There's still a little bit good, was it? At, uh, uh, there was always at least 30 to 40 bookmakers around by the bank. Bank. So they'd be just over here? Yes, yeah. the back and uh, I went down before I was on the surgery that day, so I went down to see what they were marking me up at, and some silly bugger put me up at 40 to 1. So mm -hmm. Eric said, Crush your mind, if you keep that bloody truck open, you'll win this on your hand again. Were you really leathers or just a question? I was ready for my race, yes. So they knew you were a rider when you were down? Yeah, I was ready to go. So I went back and saw the boys, and they all said, oh, blah, yeah, We'll have a bet on that. We all had a bet on it. And were those bookies annoyed when I did win the race? <laughs> <laughs> so they, all, they were a, a little bit out of it. So we all went and had some sherbet down at the Edmonton Town Hall. The dance I said, do, and I met my wife, and that was it. In the dance hall, after night, the well, day here. Walk round here, or walk back in Tottenham. And back in Tottenham. Back in Edmonton. 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 Oh, well, pretty Saturday night dance. <laughs> so you met her, and yeah. got some happy times. And I was married for 63 bloody years. How's that? Yeah. So you made the bookies mad. But, uh, yeah, and, and, they were annoyed. And knocked back a few few parts, had a good dance. Well, we, I think, think many of us have done that, you do that. And what else have you got down here? Oh, no. You're the one who's got to do the talking. And, and of course, with good tuners like Eric Fernihow, who went on to break band speed records, didn't he? And broke Brooklyn's records on a constant basis. And, and were you really working your way up towards this 100 mile an hour lap business? Were you, did you have an idea to score a gold star? No, I, I, I just, once I've got a push off, and I did have two good pushes. And because you had very high gears, didn't you? Oh, yeah. You had to get the thing rolling. And we all had three of them, had to get them going, jump on the saddle and get the thing going. And then we were away, like lightning. 
Okay. No, no, I, I just got and you've got gearboxes in the you've got direct drive, you've got you've got gears to change as well. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, oh you jumped on and, and the big uh, Brooklyn's handlebars. No, I didn't. Oh, what's I went on? straight back. That's why I asked, because you didn't. You were one of the few people that didn't. Yeah, right, right. Go on, boy. Go on, go Yeah, so you, you, you appeared in that. And of course, we've got here your helmet on All the original stage, yeah. And, and probably the most essential item that everyone in Brooklyn's wore is a body belt. Well, if you didn't wear that body belt, I can assure well, those who haven't been around Brooklyn, I can assure you. That if you didn't wear that body belt, all the bits that aren't fixed, you bloody well lose if you won't care. <laughs> so we all wore a body belt. I liked it anyway. I didn't want to lose any of my bits. <laughs> and two pieces of this one on the big lace up boots. Oh, yes, the other lace up All that, all, all done. Got me never chopped the lace him up. Too bloody tired. You just talked him over. Yeah, I talked him over, and that was a good Yeah. Well, on that June the 3rd, um, 1937, the, the motorcycle says Gold Star Brooklyn's. Mountain Championship today. Now, was that special? Did that attract a big crowd? Was it Mountain Championship? Was it a yes, atmosphere? And the crowd did come there, yes. Yes, big crowd. And I'll tell you what, some of the riders there were really <coughs> ladies' men. There was old Ben Bickle and his brother Bickle. They had a garage in Archway Road, uh, Holloway. And he was very much for the, for the ladies. And he was rode with a plume of skull flowing at the back. He never raced without it. But that type of hat broke his bloody neck because one day he was racing at Brooklyn's and I saw it happen and he hadn't done his chin strap up and he hit the gate at Donington and the, but not having done it, he cracked the back of it and broke his bloody neck. That happened at Donington. Donington, yeah. yeah. For wearing that type of hat. So and the people that you were meeting were people that became <laughs> people like Ginger Woods, you know, ginger, ginger, yeah, yeah, ginger, not standard. Well, they were all Yeah, that's right. You know, and because he uh, had a big thing on an OK Supreme and Excelsior, didn't he? That's right. Big twins, you know. Well, of course, it was all Norton and Bellasset in those days. And and before we get into this particular race, Freddie Dixon, you, you knew him personally, yes, didn't you? Yes, yeah. Is the story about Freddie right? He would eat if he was at a dinner dance. He would eat the flowers off the table. I've never tried to do that. Oh yes. They were all characters, there's no doubt. Freddie won the TT on two wheels, three wheels, and the car TT on four wheels, didn't you? On, on the Ard circuit. Yeah. And were you starting to travel and do other circuits? You say you talk about Donington. Yeah, yeah, Donington. I used to like Donington. I got some nice track. Very enjoyable. And where else did you, did you race on? Alexander Palace. Alexander Palace. Round yeah. those little narrow... Yes, the old, tra old train line. <laughs> Yes. It's one of the crash suppers right yeah. now, isn't it? And path racing, really. Yeah. And how many starters would there be in a race at Ali Valley? Twelve. Jesus, you know. Round that narrow trench. It must have been very dangerous. Stuff. It was dangerous. You go off in the trees. I did not have wet. I was very, very cautious. Yeah. And, 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 and where else? Were Alexander Palace. Mm. You know, do you know, with Crystal Palace over before the war? Yeah. So you yeah. raced there, did you? Yeah. Does anybody remember the old Alexander Palace racing days? Doubtful, you know, we, we, we all remember it. I think we're all of an age we can remember Andy Pandy and the tower on the television. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not racing, Pastor. We're, we're, we're all old. Um, but it says here the weather was gloriously fine in that Brooklyn, just enough breeze to keep the spectators and officials reasonably cool. 
spiders <coughs> sweltered in their leathers. And did you swelter? Can you remember being red hot? Um, yeah, then they were essentially those good leathers. We were, were well padded on the shoulders and elbows and knees, and we needed them really. And then saved my life being well padded. Yeah, because these. But they were real leathers in those days, not these shiny or whatever they are. Well, today. now they're all the places again. But we went through a phase like with people like Jeff Jude who had the first skin tight leathers, and they were as thin. The leather was as thin as your suit cloth, and and really, you know, you could skin yourself easily. But of course, they were pony skin. But and, and I think the all leathers were horse, horse hide. Horse hide, you know. The cow hide split we use today just explodes when you come. But did you know Les Deer? Because his son's still around. Les Deer, yeah. His son's local. I, I, I know somewhere at home there must be the programs I used to keep. I'm going to look <coughs> them out and see you get them here. Well, give us but Frank Fry on the 350 yeah. set, too. Yeah. Great big man for 350, wasn't he? Yeah. Always yeah. laughing. Enormous laugh. Well, I don't know about always laughing. Yeah. He cried when he lost, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> when you won a race, you earned money, but you didn't really earn any money for not coming second or third. No money from here. No. No money at all. No. Only if you could, for lack of a bookmaker, that I would say. You had to back yourself. Didn't happen very often. No. And, and did you have some wins as well in good places? You know, were you going back with some money sometimes? Now you've got me there with another race, Another racetrack you, you were good at too. I didn't think I was good at. Uh, I used to enjoy myself, shall I say that. Yeah, yeah, I was only interested, quite frankly, in any money I could do. Yes. And you were still working at the Jack Factory? Yes. You did, yes. You, how long did you work at the Jack Factory? Until the war or after? Uh, 39. I think about four years. Because when I was working at the Jack Motor Company, the war started, as I've said, and all the foreign competitors went home, and we were drafted into munitions work. <coughs> I had to leave the Jack Motor Company and go to the standard telephone by order of the government at that time, because I was a qualified engineer, and I was put in the tool room at the Standard Telephone in New Southgate, London, uh, to do uh, some precision grinding for the blind landing equipment for the air aircraft. Uh, and that broke me right up from the Jack Motor Company. I was then went to the Standard Telephones, and I stopped the Standard Telephones in their tool room, and in finish, in the finish, I was managing the, uh, the foundry and various other model maker, etc., and inspection for 31 years. And I'm pleased to say, I live on their pension they gave me uh, today. For 31 years of service at San Antonio. I bet they, I bet, I, was, I bet they're mad at that. I'm sure <laughs> mad enough to be a bloody councillor, working me guts out for the ROI. Yes, well, we <laughs> no reward. With oh, Only kicked up the arse. No, there's a lot of that. But tough guys you raced against in this race, Noel Pope came out with a supercharged craft superior. Yeah. And, and and David Whitworth, MD Whitworth. Yeah, MD Whitworth. Yeah. Whitworth you know, he was a Trump, wasn't he? Yeah, 494 Trump. What the hell was a 494 Trump? Well, you know, he done very well on it. Very weird capacities there. <laughs> and, uh, and Webster on a 500 Vincent HRD. Yeah. You know, so they were all there. And that was the time when HRD had their own engine, yes, the Seabitch, yes, and then they took the Jack engine, 
And I drove the HRD kit. Yeah, because the, the, the HRD engine was known as a plumber's nightmare, wasn't it? All external oh, yes. pipes. And, but once they put the jet engine in, it, it, it really started. started to go. Yeah. Very popular bike. Yeah. And that was the first of the spring frame, wasn't it? Yes. HRD. HRD, yes, they got there. And, um, uh, and you've got, it's just an AC Bartlett, oh, OK Jack, yeah. such a cracking pace. Can you wake him up and go and sleep there? We talk for another five minutes, and then we'll give them all a chance to go and fill their glasses up, and then come back, and that will give you another chance to get some more <laughs> questions on. And, um, and it, it says here that uh, Whitworth and Bartlett won gold stars for their efforts. So, Whitworth 100.82 and yours at 103.33. And the actual gold star is here because it was always a pen <coughs> to That's a right. British Motorcycle Racing uh, badge, and there it is, 1937. What a wonderful thing, you know. Yes. Oh, what a wonderful the only thing. better thing is one in my family because I've forgotten all about it, really. Well, <laughs> they look after it for me. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell them the last gold star I saw come up at auction went for 1700 quid. So, you know, uh -huh. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> still up So, Langford on the 498 Zenith, um, it says here, he raised the dust on the very inside of the track um, and he got closer to the timekeeper's villa and made the flagman run for his life. Was he totally out of control? Can you, can you, where, I, I think he was did people, did people ride badly here? And well, I think so. I, I did at times. Did you? Yeah. And, and, and did you know? Because not folk fetched you off. Did you well, ever? No, you, you race, you know very well. Once you can see that you're going to be something, you go for it, don't you? Go, go you don't get a bugger who is in your way. And people like famous names that we know from around this area, because he came from Farnham, Les Archer. Was he a big man, a little man? What was he like? Small, small man. You didn't have to be big to race it. The lighter you were, the better you were. Yes. And how heavy was your racing weight in those days? 10 stone? No, I was about 12. I'm about 12 stone. I've been pretty normal. So you were pretty, pretty burly for it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, with all these marks of bike, what sort of atmosphere had Brooklyn's got? You know, was it, was it well organised? Did you all do what you were told? I, but, I think it was absolutely marvellous. Yeah. I really do. Particularly, you know, when the races started, it was very. Regimented. The old bell would go and you knew you were at race. And but everybody stopped and knew you had a bell like a horse race. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody and, could and hear of it. Course, over your helmet, you sometimes wore colours, didn't you? Your silk caps. Oh, yes. Did, what was the, what, 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 did you have any particular colours or were they the colours of your bike ending, ending. Ending, yeah. no, But it was silk caps and things like that. Yeah. And controlling a bike round here, you know, because you were. Going a fair old lick all the time on, on Gurla Forks when you're solid back in. Yes. Well, you know, and this, and, and how many of those who have driven problems know uh, the pressure your body's put under? Because it was not an easy track to ride over. If you did a 25 lap, anything beyond a 25 lap race, handicapped or otherwise, when I personally, when I found that I'd done 25 laps or more around there, on that weekend, we always raced Saturday afternoon, didn't we? Mostly here. It was Saturday afternoon. Uh, my wrists and my hands were swollen twice the size they are. And they'd take a good week on and go down. It must have been because I used to ride like that. I think it's clinging like that, swelled everything up. And it was, you know, it was really in trouble. 
like tendonitis you get, yes, whatever, whatever it's called in those days, probably just called swelling. Maybe I've done better, I've been down here, but I'm something, yeah. And fuel, were you all on standard gas or were you on, no? No, but the most exciting time I had, I was designated to ride, uh, use the ROP, Russian aircraft. And I don't know if you know it or any of you knew, at that time when we brought it over here, it did stink like hell. It rotten old apples. It stank a little And when you got in your leathers, sure, oh gosh, you know, everybody went, oh, right, get away from me, the grass out. It stank. ROP, it was called. Yeah. And so, and it was doped petrol, was it? Or yeah. Was it pure doped? Yeah. And it gave you more horsepower? Well, I, I never found it completely. It's sick. Kept the engine clean, that was a strip yeah. yeah. And more, so, more power, more speed, everything. Yeah. But um, I think everyone here has got this idea that, that Brooklyn's was really rough, totally rough. And people went out there for a hundred mile races, didn't they? You did. Yeah. It's in, and we paid the, the dividend, didn't we? My God, we did. So you must have got off fairly naked. Yeah. But at the same time, it's sport, and we did enjoy it. There was nothing else for people to do. There was nothing else or not much else for people to come and see. That's yes. why you got good crowds. Because was society fairly dull then in the, in the in pre-war days? You know, without, without, without much sport, was, was there not much to do other than not speak speed Not much else to do. We did get very, very good crowds here. It was a pleasure to be here. Yes, because that's, that's really what kept it going, the England, yes. wasn't it? Yes, I hope it carries on being successful. I understand it's moves to improve what we've got here now. I hope to God you're right. Well, it's marvellous to have someone who actually rode here. It's absolutely wonderful. But now we're going to give everybody exactly 10 minutes to fill your glasses up and we'll come back and do it all again and we'll carry on the story. <coughs> Meanwhile, I know that you'll want to just say, isn't he doing a good job? <laughs> Ten minutes and that let you fill your glasses up. I think that's what Martin wants. And then, uh, because at ten o'clock sharp, Buster and his crew have got to go off again because he's got to be on the Isle of Wight too. Yes. Go and fill your glasses, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, complete. You remember that uh, we we have known because I've got the paperwork in front of me, and Buster knows that the years we've covered so that we because it's been recorded, really ranged from about 1932 onwards to 39. Because Buster really started riding here about 34, and 35, 36, 37 were great years, and then of course 37 was when he got his gold star. So, um, <coughs> and we've got his daughter here as well, and members of the the Isle of Wight Mafia here. So, uh, <laughs> it's a good crowd. So that will explain that. We'll try and bring in the years more, and. Now, Buster, having got your gold star, what did that do for you personally? Because you have said in a piece that I've got here that it made you very welcome as a racer wherever you went. It, it was established that if you all gold star, it's not just me, you want gold star. If they won their gold star, they were entitled and invited to most motor events wherever they were, free of charge. It was a little bit of balance that was added on the job. Did you ever get paid staff money before? No. You Never got any expenses? No. Just, 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 just money from the, yeah. the oil and tyre and chain people? You might get a glass of lemonade or something. But when you were going around on the, uh, the racing circuits, um, 
you were requested by a family called Langley to go down to what we now know as the Cursal at Southend on the Sea. Yeah, correct. How did all that start? What, what was the sort of approach made? Because you hadn't done any of uh, that sort of ride. Tell, tell us what it was. Um, somebody got me to ride. What was the two stroke in those days? Francis Parker. Small Scott. Anyway. Well, the Scott was something like that. It was a two stroke motor. And as you know, it was a red flag hell. And I had a pal who went down to the Kurzweil at South End on a Saturday evening. And uh, he got me to go down and uh, see what went on. He showed me what to do, and I thought, well, uh, the racket he made uh, and the enjoyment people seemed to, to take out of the scenic event uh, got me to have a go at it. Wall of Death. Well, yeah, they call it the Wall of Death. It was theory. owned by the Langley Brothers. I don't know whether they own the park or just the, the Curzon Park. I don't know. But uh, I worked there for a couple of years. Uh, and as you may have known, the, the Wall of Death was a, a great cylinder type of built like that. Of wood. Of wooden slats all the way around. Made Somebody tonight said they had wire netting around it. Big wire netting to keep the platform with it. We at South End had bits of rope and kept on. But as you drove round the and go <coughs> the top, uh, the noise of travelling over the sacks was making a hell of a bloody round. What was the smell? The door rattle. Yeah. What was the smell? And the smell of the casserole, which we had to use, obviously. And uh, give me some love that. The smell and the noise. Today, it'd be an environment of stop, wouldn't it? But then, that was what they wanted. And they just enjoyed that. God knows why, but they did. But the one thing I've heard is, yeah, oh, the bloody, no, I had a VT bomber coming, not that bloody year on that. Yeah, me too. But, uh, but the, the two strokes would go like that, and you actually rode them and performed there. Yeah. Became a performer. Yeah. Sitting on the handlebars, I hear. Yeah, until the and, jacket st and, and standing on the saddle. <laughs> I heard you did. Well, any lark, <coughs> Yes, any lark. And, and, and did the Langley people pay you to do that, or were you sort of Oh, yes, they gave me a small one. A small, a small fee. Paid my fare. Yeah, we never want to know how much, but because that, that's your business. But, uh, but, but the whole idea that a, a motorcycle could be a speedway rider, a track rider, a wall of death rider, and, and, and get a little bit of money from, from it all, and make a living on top of being part of it. I got by somehow. I was oh, never rich. No, never rich, no. But um, you got a special payment for your leathers and... and Things like that, did you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, Because it says you've got, got, got a small, small payment for leathers, reinforced trousers. Does that mean that you fell off a few times and on the practicing going around? Yeah, you yeah sometimes. You yes. skitter down, could you? You used to get the children and throw you. Yeah. <laughs> did you find a lady to get the splinters out of your backside? <laughs> no, we didn't, we didn't come off. You didn't come off on that bloody journey yeah, because you've been finished for all the time. But you were travelling from Tottenham to South End to do the, yes. to do the job. And so, we paid all my and, 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 and <laughs> was the South End arterial in being then, or did it not come to the, closer to the wall? I think it was just coming in, wasn't the South yes, End arterial? Right, yeah. So you could rattle down. Did you, did you ride a bike down there? Yeah, but, a car? but at that time, that's when the Jack Motor Company knew what I was doing, and uh, the manager said, War, Tom Warby was the manager, the Jack Company at that time. He got to know what I was doing, he said, Look, we pay you a retaining fee, you don't do no more of that. That's how I've been in So that, they stopped that immediately? They stopped, they stopped immediately. That, yeah. 
And, and, and as you said, uh, the war year came, 1939 came. We had a wonderful summer, didn't we, yeah. of racing here. But the Italians went home, the Germans went home, and just about everybody the, the world yeah. was getting ready for war. And, right. and here at Brooklands, could you see the aerodrome? <coughs> they were building hurricanes here and Wellington bombs. No, I didn't. I was very annoyed about it because it, it is a wonderful, was a wonderful home yeah. for racing. A spectacular home for racing. Yes. And, and, and it could have been maintained, you know. Kept well, it. I would have hoped so. But it became, it became an aerodrome and a munitions place. And, yeah. and, and Barnes Wallace came here, didn't he? The Yes, and, and really? the Admirals came here, and eventually British Aircraft Corporation. But uh, you describe in some detail the, the antics of Noel Pope, and those of us who are old enough can remember him working at Comerford's down the road as a, as a, yeah, a, no, a, as a, as a salesman. He tried to sell me a bike once. Did he? Failed dismally. Well, you know, he was the experiment with the old supercharged traction period. What you just tell us about <coughs> the supercharged traction period and the, the antics of it? Well, he, he was a real character, and he did know what to do with his brush. Uh, I was in a race with him, and I got about a minute, 15 seconds handicap from him because he was supercharged from myself and Dick Whitworth and all that, Mark Tinsel. And uh, he, you knew where he was with a roar, this bloody brush he was <laughs> And I. One day, it was a 25 mile championship race, I think. 25 lap handicap. Yeah. And um, I could hear him at the back of me, and uh, I was told by my lap score to get, you know, get going a bit faster. So I speeded up. At the same time, he speeded up. And as we, as he came to my ass, he touched my fish down here. And tip me ass over here. Yeah, yeah. Because it's round the track, where the various coloured lines that you could go. Well, you had them all different black, blue, yellow. And at certain speed, you kept within those lines. <coughs> so you didn't impede other people on either side. So, how out. near did you go to the top of the banking when you were riding? <laughs> well, there was one time when I, I did over the bleeding top. Unfortunately. <laughs> 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 There were some bushes there. I think I, we went up there the other day. My, my family took me up to see the, the accident spot. Yes, yeah. And there were some bushes there. The on, the way, on the way we were banking. Yeah, they saved me again. Yes, and the bushes are now trees out there. I didn't do that again, I can assure you. I did it once. <laughs> that was enough. And you frightened yourself silly on that. Very gross, I mean. Yeah. And, and, and other people did go over the top, didn't they? Oh, but yes, yes. And cars went over the top, too. <coughs> yes. The bikes did go. I think three of them, I'm told. And, and, and so you had uh, all the Jack business, and, and, and you became associated with the <coughs> car racing fraternity here too, didn't you? Yes. I was talking about that, because it's all part of the Brooklyn's folklore that we want to hear about. Well, it was limited, you really. Prince Byra, I got to know pretty well. In fact, one of his books is home, uh, that he wrote. Yeah. He and his son, he and his brother were here, brother Paul, and he had a great saber car, Della Hayes, things that you wouldn't hear of. He would have never heard of it. Uh, I used to know him pretty well. One or two of those, uh, Freddie Dixon with the old Riley team, you know, they were all they were good boys. But Prince Vera Bogorongis, wasn't it? He was that. He had a brother, didn't he? Did two brothers both race? Yes, yes. From Siam, as it was then known. Yeah, you know, Prince Byron and his, and his brother Paul were Siamese princes. 
Genius. Yeah, they were genuine yeah. printers because they, yeah. they, 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 they were right. They put, put a lot of money into the Oh, game. absolutely, yeah. And they drove for a time ERA, didn't they? That's right. Well, they, they had a great safety. And did the ERA, if my memory is right, have a pre-selected gearbox? You always had to be in the gear before when you dumped the clutch, it jumped into the next gear. I don't know if that. I can't remember that. I can't remember that. But, uh, but they were good drivers and nice people. Which is, Absolutely. Genuine. We're out of touch with the personalities. You met them and they were genuine. Yeah. And they would talk to you Lovely quite people. Quite happily. Lovely people. Yeah. In fact, I can only say my experience of being here. Uh, a marvellous time. They were all, in my opinion, gentlemen in those days, there was never any rancor or bad feeling anywhere. If you lost the race, you lost the race. There was no bad feeling anywhere. And, and the job of co-drivers <coughs> in those days, we, you, 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 did, I did a bit of that. You did a bit of that. Tell us about it. Did you not have to pump the fuel pressure and the oil? You had to, you had to pump oil and fuel pressure? I, I believe it. I believe it was a climate company. And they found that the high speeds they were running at, the uh, bearings weren't getting sufficient oil. So there was a company made, Amar, who made up a special little pump to supply more oil to the bearings. And they picked up a little uh, contraption aside of the co drivers right? and used to pump the bloody oil through to give him more pressure. At speed? Yeah. Once you're up. And you, you couldn't forget to do it. Oh, no, no. I mean, so you would, if you it up. And, and there were no such things as seat belts, were there? No, no, no. Seat belts? <laughs> <laughs> Just hanging in. Curse of the day. So you're hanging in with one hand and pumping like crazy with the other. No, no, the co-driver did all the work. Co-driver, yeah. Co-driver did that. The driver drove. But, but, but the co-driver still had to hang in, didn't he? Keep himself on his seat because oh, yeah. the track was trying to bounce him out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you, and you did that as well. <laughs> Did anyone ever tell you you were bloody mad? No, well, I've been totally mad a lot many times. No. I am really bloody mad. No. <laughs> <laughs> you said Freddie Dixon told you he was going to retire and emigrate. Yes. Did, did he emigrate? I don't know. Where did he go? He did go, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and that's the that. And then, of course, the war came, and you have said in your memoirs that you were one of the first people really, uh, anywhere around, I have a television set. Yes, I know, 14 inch. So about what year was that? <laughs> Before the war? I'll come out to a bloody question, <laughs> 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 The television broadcast was stopped in 39, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> it was going to interfere with radar or something. Um, yeah, but uh, we had a little one here. Where had a little one? So I just wanted you know, to be one of the first people who got it, you know. It's been a, fa it's a fascinating time to see the first television set. Yes. And of course, you, and you were then being moved to standard telephone yes. as a tool yes. man. And, and, and you must have seen some the war drove on technical advances. Oh, yeah. So fast and hard. And, and, and so you had an invitation. People like uh, Donald Campbell were in the war and running... Dispatch Rider School, because right. Hugh Viney, Harry Louie from the motorcycle, Arthur Ball <laughs> from the motorcycle, um, uh, Murray Walker's father, Graham yeah, Walker, yeah. were all in uniform running this Dispatch Rider School. That's right, an older shop. At older shop, which was considered a bit of a, a nice job, wasn't it? And, you know, well, because, you, with, because didn't you get all the motorbikes they 
they took away from the public. Oh yeah, confiscated. Confiscated. Like your ratings were. Yeah. So, so yeah. you think people have a like your life and have a go on it. Yeah. Great. Tell, tell us something about that. And, and uh, did you meet Donald Campbell? Yes, but uh, as you are aware, uh, munitions were the most, most important thing to do. So I only spent about three weeks down there, and I got dropped back to Stanford again. Uh, so then I went back to Standard, but then I got the job in the Standard Telephones uh, because they want to keep the bombers and the workers going while the bombers are going over. Uh, some silly bugger in the government thought that if we had a, a, a motor going around the yards and the factory grounds uh, with a 5mm Cispano 3 gun on board, as the wardens up top used to say, you know, the stuff coming over from, from Dover, we used to have to put shells down this bloody old gun and fire up in the sky, fire up nothing, but that did, they said, keep the workers going at their work. Did it or did the workers all take them? What are the nonsense? I can only say it turned out to be a bloody calamity because we worked on three ships, and it wasn't my ships, I was with uh, six other gunners. So, well, we weren't guns, we were just workers, men in this bloody outfit with no train. And one silly bugger forgot to bring the gun down and shot the bloody thing through the cab. And it wasn't our, our gang, but no, it didn't cause any damage, they, they said no more on that. That's the I expect some of you to know what we've got up there in the war yet. Bloody stupid things we were doing, weren't we? But anyway, that's <laughs> Pretty heavily involved, yeah. And, and, and you were working shifts, so you, oh, yeah, you, you, you'd see the worst at night and, and then see the rubble. And, yeah. But your factory wasn't hit. Oh, Christ. It was? Uh, hit. You know, Only, yeah, by the B2. Yeah, Red Survival definitely is here now. I was on a grind. I don't want to bore you, but I was on a grind machine and we used to have to face off these things they use on the blind landing equipment. And I run a big steel cabinet down here on my side, feeding my stuff to a machine, to the grinding machine. And we got the order, lie down, lie down, lie down. Well, I couldn't lie down. I've got trays of work everywhere. So I just bent my ass down on this towards the gate. And the bloody thing come down the chute as the four flights down, straight down the chute, hit the ground floor, and blew me away in the bloody face. And I've been up two bloody black... Backside, that's all I got. So I was very lucky, and I'll get in the bloody door. And after go back to motorcycling at all? No, no. You, you, you drew the line? I drew the line. I said I'd have my bit in that bit. You decided that was it? Uh, and did you play with fast cars or anything like that? Did you race? Oh, I bought that. I got in with an old uh, uh, car company by the name of Chapman Brothers. And I worked for them, and, and we bought, uh, they used to buy old bangers in, and I bought an old banger. I don't think it's going to interest people about that, will it? But, no, I won't say it, but we did at that time buy an old, I did, bought an old three-cylinder air-cooled rover. I don't suppose any of you ever saw one, did you? Three-cylinder rover, air-cooled. And I bought an Eric Campbell. Have you heard of Eric Campbell car? Well, I bought one. It's got a red head and a lot of the Rolls-Royce, very nice one. Anyway, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just wondered, uh, but, but you personally, had you got a family then at the end of the war, did you decide, because of that, or what, what made you actually stop? It's very hard, a lot of people in this room 
still play with motorbikes all their life, you know. Yeah, I wish I had the time to ride them. Yes, and, and so and you went on right to the end of your career with the standard telephone, and then, then you immigrated, did you, to the Isle of Wight? I went, yeah, we went, we, the family went up to the Isle of Wight for a holiday, and we had a marvellous holiday over there with the weather. That's it, was superb, as it is most times. And I said to Hazel, well, I'm not going to go back. I'm, I'm finishing with life up in London. I'm all, I'm stopping over here. She was showing my dad, and that's it. And I went to the Isle of Wight, and uh, I started up a company called the Island Domestic Cajun Company, which sold papers and napkins and what have you. I had a, a mammoth operation sometime after start that business, and uh, I was at death's door one time. In fact, I remember waking up from the operation and bloody bottles everywhere and masks on. I thought, oh, Christ, I must have died, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am today. You are today. And you always just feel very proud of the Isle of Wight, because you, oh, you yeah. wear an island uh, yeah, yeah I'm still trying to promote the Isle of Wight to become airborne. I'm taking a big job to do it, but I, I think I'll win in the long run. You, you think you think you, you think still think flying has got a and small aircraft flying has got a big future? Well, we need we need the people to come from Europe. We bring the money over to us. We're, we're yes. very hard on the money on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, really? Can't be dreamed, I thought it was like Guernsey, full of rich people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're not rich, I'm going to show you, we're bloody poor. If you don't know anybody, they're not, how you going to do it with? <laughs> <laughs> but but as, as a councillor now on the Isle of Wight, you, you bring that long-term knowledge and you're still working, still going on to things, and still bringing to it that, that vitality that you, you had when you raced, because you must have had that keenness and vitality to do everything right through your life. I've got that, and they call me a bloody nuisance. I'll tell you, I'm asking too many questions. Well, like I'm trying to do to you tonight. Yeah, you've done very well. Well, time marches on, and I think really that for a great Brooklyn's hero, someone that you can actually see, touch and feel as of cold statistics and in a book, I think we've had a great evening. So, Buster, thank you very much.
much. As, as uh, uh, I said, I, I, I'm on the board of trustees of the, uh, the museum. I've been on the board of trustees now for about uh, 12 years. And we're struggling here um, to, to make Brooklyn survive. We're going to make it survive, and we, we are winning. But boy, it's an uphill struggle. And as you know, we've just got the Concord here, which is our next big project. And we've got some of the financing pretty well sorted out as of today.